Hey, Gabriel Lake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? Today, we are actually in your apartment. It may be election day, and we did try to celebrate on the street. Mm -hmm. But too many people were interested in honking their horns, and so we came back to your place. Yeah. To be completely fair, today is not election day. Today is a result confirmation That's day. correct. Today <laughs> is the day they called the election, not exactly. election day. Yeah. But we still have like at least one more month of fun. Of, you know, like oh, someone yeah. complaining about Months the results. Months of lawsuits, it's fine. But yeah. Joe Biden is our president. Right now he's our projective president. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, what did we watch today? We watched the 1998 forgettable film. <laughs> oh, already giving your opinion, I see. <laughs> Pleasantville, directed by Gary, Gary Ross. Ross. Mm -hmm. What else did Gary Ross direct? He did The Hunger Games, and he also did Ocean's 8. Okay, so... They are the two most well-known movies of his career, and this was his first directed movie. So, objectively, just a complete middle-of-the-road director who can direct some things that are widely appealing, but not necessarily an auteur. The, I think that this is a bit more of a functional director. A bit more is like, okay, we have to put someone there to play like as safe as possible. Um, with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. And then we got Pleasantville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that this was my pick. <laughs> it, no, no, no. Let me remind you. It was 100% your pick. <laughs> it was my pick. It was not on my list of to watch movies. But I was thinking about it when we were watching uh, The Ice Storm because I was thinking that, okay, Tobey Maguire was on this. Uh, Joan... Crap, I forgot her name. Joan Allen. Joan Allen yeah. was there too. You know, and... It has like a really good cast, you know, instead of... The cast is exceptional. Yeah. And when you, when we watched the film at, in the last podcast and you wanted to watch this, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, there was like some kind of connection. And I also watched this one like back in the day. And I thought that artistically, it has some kind of value. You know, like the idea of just moving from black and white to color. There are like several scenes that they are like beautifully shot. Now, I was curious to see how it aids when it comes to the story that they portray. And I want... First, what was the movie about? Okay, so I'll, I'll do a synopsis, but I want you to tell me how old you were when this film came out. I was 18. So I was 14? Probably, yeah. So we approached this film very differently. But I didn't watch it when I was 18. Probably watched it a couple of years later, so when okay. I was 20. All right. So the film is about uh, a brother and sister. Toby Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. Yes, perfect. And they are ridiculous cliches of the late 90s teenager. Mm -hmm. And Toby, Toby Maguire is obsessed with this very old-timey television show. That's very much like, uh, I can't remember the name of Love the Love Lucy? It's older than I Love Lucy. Ron Howard starred in the show in like the 40s, 50s. Huh. Damn it, I can't remember the name. But it's, I mean, it looks like it's a bit more of just embracing the American spirit of the 40s and 50s. Yes, like this, the silver screen of television mm -hmm. in the 40s and 50s. So, uh, Toby Maguire plays this super nerd teenager who 
He loves this TV show called Honey, I'm Home. No, it's called Pleasantville. I thought the show was called Honey, I'm Home. No, that's exactly what uh, William H. Macy says to John Allen okay. every single time, but okay. it's Pleasantville. So he's obsessed with this old-timey TV show where it's basically Leave it to Beaver, where everything is in black and white, everything is perfect, the, the mom and the dad, they have these very distinct roles, and... Um, he is existing as a teenager in the 90s. His sister is Reese Witherspoon. She's kind of a slut of the 90s. I don't mean that to shame anyone, but she's very much proud that she she doesn't like to put any interest into school. Yep. She uh, She's in love with this boy. And... She looks like a character from Clueless. No, no, <laughs> no. No, no, I won't take it. Pleasantville is not as deep as Clueless. No, anyway, no, no, no. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, what I mean is, like, she actually tra- she is portrayed as an archetype of popular girl in high school. Yeah, that's true. And all of my complaints about character development happen with Reese Witherspoon and Toby, Toby McGuire because they're so basic, they're mm. so uninteresting. That's not to say that I didn't like the show. But what is what is the movie about? Okay, so the movie <laughs> is about this brother and sister. They're in modern times, which is the late 90s, and um, their mother goes out of town. Tobey Maguire is the son who's obsessed with this TV show. They're very excited to entertain... Uh, what would you say? Reese Witherspoon wants to have a boyfriend over, mm-hmm. and yeah. Toby McGuire wants to have his nerd friends over to watch a marathon of the show. Oh, TV it was show. not even like just having them over. It's like he wanted to watch the marathon because there's going to be some kind of contest or quiz yeah. at the end. He wanted to win this this one thousand dollar one thousand dollars because he knows he thinks he knows the most about Pleasantville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happens is Barney fight appears. Oh, from okay. the Andy McGriffith show, <laughs> which was a real show in America, um, and he he wants to fix their TV because it was broken between an argument between Reese Witherspoon and Toby Toby McGuire, and um, he's very strange and he gives them a special remote. Mm-hmm. That remote brings Reese Witherspoon and Toby McGuire into actual Pleasantville, so they go back into this. Uh, what would you call it? Like a fantasy? Well, they go into the show directly. So they don't go into the city. So they actually just turn in black and white. Yeah, so they go literally into Pleasantville. And they're black and white. They have a mother and father. That's uh, They're actual characters in the show. And Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon, they occupy kind of this actual characters. <laughs> and... They try and exist in this world, but of course there are well-rounded characters from the 90s, and so they start to sexualize everything, and for lack of a better word, they bring color to this black and white world. (laughs) And color is a euphemism for sexuality, for art, for self-discovery, and they go through all the motions with this black and white cast, and they essentially wake these people up. And this is something that super pisses me off, is that when they wake these characters up, they become quote-unquote colored. Well, I mean, it's not quote-unquote. It's that they actually just turn into color. Now yes, they become colored. Now, this is like one of the biggest problems that I have with this movie, that they actually, the term, they actually use the term color. 
for people that they have turned into color. And it's like I had the feeling that it's a bit more, it's like, look, I understand that appropriation is bad and you should know it too. And there's like one clear example that is that you don't use the word color for something like this when everyone is white. So I'm, I'm going to say that overall I liked this movie. Oh, yeah. But I had some major issues <laughs> oh, with certain yeah. parts. And one of them was watching this all-white community come to life, quote-unquote, but the people who were not conservative became colored. I, I just, I was like, no. No, you can't co-opt yep. the the struggle that happened in the 50s with black yep. and white people. And yep. I was like, no, this yep. is too far. Yeah, I had to say that it's like a, when I watched it the first time, I was not living here. So I was feeling that this artistically is like pretty impressive. And you know, is that this kind of a struggle about like just embracing the person that you are internally and how you turn into color and people can differentiate you from the classic American values. But now that I watch it again, I had the feeling that is that there is major problems, I agree with you, with the script. That is like, you don't do that. And it's like, no, it's unacceptable. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if I were to watch it in 98, if I was living here in America and I understood the reality of that, if I would have felt the same way, or it has been something that right now feels different. You know, that if it's like, look, with everyone, everything that we have talked about race, it's like, you are, you are actually just taking over and a struggle that is based on race and just putting it into just the perfect America of the 50s. Yeah, and I get super disgusted while this could have been a, a compelling argument or uh, evidence put into the struggle between races in America in the 50s. And this director and writer decided to turn it into Joan Allen masturbating in a bathtub and her orgasm introduced light and, and color into the in, into the community and i thought no no yeah honestly i i felt the funny thing is like i felt about the movie pretty good at the beginning until halfway and when they start like turning to color when they try to introduce like the contrast or like the social struggle or the social conflict i felt like the movie completely derailed yeah He's yeah. like, like you, you are not a good writer. You cannot write this. He's like, some other, some other writer could actually could have come up with something interesting. But the problem that I have is like, now it almost feels like you wrote this idea about like a couple of kids going into a black and white show, they're turning it into color, and then you didn't know what to do. And then you try to just go away with some kind of social message, but you are not smart enough for writing this. And that's exactly what the film tried to do. Tobey Maguire and, and Reese Witherspoon enter into this black and white world and they introduce color via Reese having sex with everyone and that brought them color. Well, but you actually uh, realize he's like Paul Walker, that is like the guy that she actually has sex with. The he first. Yeah, yeah, the first one, but it's like he doesn't really turn into color. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's a, that's the part is like, okay, I think that that's okay, and I think that Toby Maguire mentioned it's like it's not about like just having sex when he talks with uh, with her sister. It's like it's about what you desire. It's about like just balancing yourself. It's about like just something that is just latent inside you. And another problem that I have like pretty deep with this show that I have forgotten is when they have like the judge, sort of like the uh, the court session oh, with them, God. and it's like the uh, mayor. Is that just getting like really angry at Toby Maguire? And Toby Maguire actually says that 
what would you like to do to me if you could that oh, is, is that like, not so loaded like, like he wants to fuck to me <laughs> yeah he said look there's like there are like many layers of brown in what you're saying you know that is like, okay are you telling me that is like a closeted gay person is it like not only a closeted gay person is that like a closeted pedophile because you are like 16 what you're doing in this movie is like and he actually turns into cover because he embraces his homophobia and they were like Something like pretty wrong. That that scene, it was like, yeah, this is like one point less than I was thinking to give him. And and you're right. People didn't turn into color just because of sex. I think that was the primary reason. But also, Tobey Maguire introduced Jeff Daniels to art, and that's what turned him into color. Yep. Uh, he had these very awkward, and I'm sorry, but they were incestuous moments where he was teaching Joan Allen, who was his mother, about sex, and both Reese Witherspoon and him talk, taught her about sex. Does Toby Maguire talks with Joan Allen about sex? I don't remember. No, so Reese Witherspoon has the primary yeah. conversation about sex, yeah. but then Toby Maguire absolutely teaches his father to show love to Joan Allen. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just very like, oh, how does the son help well, his father connect with his mother in sex? It, it just combined well, a lot of things that made me feel uncomfortable. I, I don't fully agree with that. I think that he actually just tries to tell her, tell him, that is, look, if you love her, you should actually tell her. There is no sex on that. That's like pretty like just Disney kind of conversation. Yes, but you see that Joan Allen only turned to color when she had sex with Jeff. Uh, no, he turns. She turns into color when she masturbates. Yes, she has a sexual <laughs> awakening, and then she learns to love the soda shop owner, or you know, fuck the the soda shop owner. There's just a lot of issues here that are very blurred. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, the the problem with this movie is like the intentions are good, the script is terrible. The script is terrible, and I have to talk about the score because. <laughs> Fuck you, whoever wrote the score. And you're looking at me surprised. Yeah, because, well, I mean, one of the things that I, what I love this movie is because the main song is actually from Fiona Apple. Yes. But it plays at the end. But every time that the audience is supposed to feel something special oh, yeah. or like there's a discovery, like when um, Jeff... Daniels. Jeff Daniels shows the Picasso to Joan Allen, and there's this swelling of music, and we're taught how we're supposed to feel. It's like, fuck you, whoever wrote this yeah. the score. No. You know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Cinema Paradiso. And we both disliked that film for the same reason. Yeah. I mean, well, we like We that both film. like it, yes. but it's like we actually felt that it the was like extremely heavy handed yes. about, like, oh, you should feel like this. Yes. And so. Spoiler alert. When Tobey Maguire is getting back to go or getting ready to go back to reality, mm -hmm. Joan Allen appears. And it's actually a very touching scene where she wants to thank her son for introducing her to what I assume is authenticity or truth. And it's just very creepy how it's connected to her sexuality and Yeah. It, yeah, no, the, I, honestly, I think that is like the script. Is that this, this is a movie that is like pretty clear how it came to our reality. That reality is like, I want to just make a 50 shows from black and white to just turn into color because I think that it would look great. I say, and someone approved it. They say, yeah, go for it. And then he actually thought, like, I can write a script. Like, he said, no, matter. you cannot. <laughs> you cannot. Clearly, you cannot. Is that this is the result? Is that when I watched it the first time, I thought, like, oh, yeah, it's about embracing. 
like the, uh, the missing parts of yourself that you are like just withholding. It's like, that's true, but how you do it in this movie is worrisome. There are like several problems that is a like, several points that I have problems with. That is a like, you don't do that in a movie. It's like you actually just three more people read this script they will say like don't don't do that, please, don't do that. I feel weird. So I want to say that overall I enjoyed this film. It's not that I thought it was a bad film. It's it's just that I saw this and I was taken along for the ride that that the director wanted me to be on and I was okay participating. But at the end of the day with the swelling score and this combination of racism in America with the sexual awakening of America, it just didn't quite work. It's not that I hated the film, it's just like there was too much there to make me be like, yes, this is a great film. Yeah, and I have to say that it's like using the word color, I understand no. that it's like it makes sense, you know, from a 50s show that is that you guys are color, we are not, but it's that you cannot appropriate that. You can't appropriate that, and they did, and they tried to make it like, oh, do you see how white people suffered because they were considered colored? I was like, no, 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 no. They no. suffered for five Unac minutes. Yeah, unacceptable. <laughs> I mean, everything was terrible until Joan Allen masturbated and the tree lit on fire. <laughs> I didn't like it, but overall, I thought that the the visuals were fantastic. Yeah. The way they played with black and white and color was great. It was a little too on the nose that I felt like, okay, you're not the Wizard of Oz. This isn't Technicolor anymore. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, the shock is not there anymore. And it's true that it's, like, it's great when you actually see like the rose with the, uh, you know, like completely red and everything else is on black and white. It's like, okay, this is gorgeous. And they leave that shot for 10 seconds on the screen, they say, yeah, it was great, the two first seconds, do you need like eight more seconds? I <laughs> already it? saw the effect, it's like, you're not changing anything. I I mean, I think that it's a movie a bit too full of itself, and not from the perspective of like, just being a snobbish, because I think that it's a bit more of like Cinema Paradiso, it's a, a straight to the hallmark being kind of thing. Yes. It's, like, it's yes. going to make you feel good if you are like a white American that probably you are conservative. Yes, and if, if this film had been released, released in 2017-18, it would be a joke. I, no. The fact that it was released in the late 90s makes it a little different, but at the same time we have the lens of 2020, yeah. and it, it doesn't make sense in our current political uh, landscape. Um, but I can say that understanding when it came out and what the film is about and the feats that it accomplished with mm -hmm. the black and white, the play with color, which actually was pretty cool. It, it, it was gimmicky, yeah. but overall, I thought it, it, it worked. I think the director had a tremendous cast. I think Joan Allen's performance was remarkable. I think that it's even better than in uh, The Icy Storm. We're not going to agree on that, but that's <laughs> fine. I see what you're saying. I think that Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon were only asked to be uh, archetypes. Be 90s. Or, yeah, be 90s. Like, <laughs> I got super annoyed and scared when the film opened about how basic the film opening was and about how he was the nerd in the late 90s high school. Oh, yeah. And she was they super cool and she smoked yeah. cigarettes, so she was a popular kid. That didn't ring true to me, so I felt like this is not a timeless piece, it's a timely piece. But the funny thing is, like, if you remove the 90s perspective, it's like, do you think that it... Well, the problem is that the script is terrible. 
So it's like it's pretty hard. It's that like you're giving it a pass because it's okay. This was made in the '90s, and now we are like way more social and racial aware. Yes, you're completely right about that. But think about the the stereotypes of Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. If you tried to move that 20 years in the future, it's offensively stupid. But I, I, the part the part that I'm curious about is like, do you think that people if they were to watch it in '98? Do you think that they will be feeling that it's like, oh yeah, those are smart? Because like Reese Waterspoon, when she's like just talking about like, hey, hey, are you going to watch the concert on MTV? Yeah, maybe. It's like, cool, cool. It's like, I think that it's like there is some kind of joke about like, this is what they think that they're cool, but it's like, it's not cool. It's a bit more of the parody about like, the values are lost on this. So I did read the New York Times review. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And okay. one of the things they said was that Reese Witherspoon did fantastic, despite the film being a critique on her generation. And it's true. Yeah. Like, teenagers in the late 90s, they, they were stereotypes. And <laughs> I don't think this film would age well at all, trying to move it to the 2010s, 2020s. But I think that you could actually just bring up like similar stereotypes on the 2010s and 2020s. But it's like, oh yeah. But it's like, what I mean is like, they try to go for the most simplistic stereotype. That is, if you're in 2020, you'll be like just taking like some kind of selfie and some TikTok. I see what you're saying, but I think that we're measuring this film based on like timeliness. So yes, the film did embrace stereotypes of the late 90s, but is that interesting to us in 2020? No, it's, it's not. not. But what I mean is like, for example, could this film be remade right now? I think it could in a very weird way with the internet and like uh, Snapchat. and You could do it in a weird way, yeah. but you would have to update all of the stereotypes that they played. They could, but it's like, don't you think that there is also like a, a stereotype of teenagers right now? That they play Fortnite, they just publish on Snapchat, TikTok and the likes. It's like, there is still like a stereotype out there. It's different, but it's like the timeliness, for example, if I think about like timeliness, I think about the Lost Boys. <laughs> the Lost Boys is like, they embrace all across the 80s. In this one is that they actually, what I think is that these teenagers are as swallow as possible. One of them is like extremely awkward and the other one is like just embracing how you can be popular in a very easy way. I see what you say. I disagree with you somewhat. <laughs> I think that films that are timeless, that we've agreed are timeless, they don't, they don't like stoop to these very age-specific stereotypes so if you think sorry if you think about loveless there's nothing in that film that reduces anybody to a time frame and this film in the initial scenes they say we are late 90s and we will not apply to any other time but but if we actually talk about that you can actually just go back to clueless you know that is like it's a film that is about what the 90s are about well (laughs) we disagree in this fact that i think (laughs) I think Clueless is timeless. You think it's timely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, they play with a lot of the stereotypes of what the 90s are about. And I think that this movie, it starts, the opening is about the 90s, you know. But it's everything else. If the script was better, 
again, it describes better I think that you could actually translate it to any other decade because we also we always are going to have like this kind of nostalgic feeling of everything that happened before us was better. We're like more like wholesome about like the family values and everything. Yeah, and and the script does play with that is that every generation thinks they're better than the generation previous. The previous generations think that the next generation is lazy yeah. and yeah. So I get that. I just think that this film played too much into the stereotypes of the '90s to be like. Did you watch this and think it was an important film, or did you think, no. oh, this is no? A I mean, of when I watched it the first time, I thought that is, like, look, this has been like an enjoyable film, and I think that it has some kind of heartwarming messages. And I still think that it has some kind of heartwarming messages, but I think that is like right now with the reality that we are living in, some of that heartwarming message is wrong. I mean, bro, no, it's, it's not, the message itself is not wrong about, like, just embrace, like, the person that you are. The wrong part is about, like, how they display that kind of conflict. That's the part that is, like, you don't do that. You don't do any of that that you are, like, doing here. And that's the part that is, like, I think that that didn't age well. The part about the nineties is, like, I'm fine with it because it's not the leaf motif of the movie because if it could happen as it could actually have happened in the 80s and it could have happened in the 2000s or in the 2010s or even now is that you could have to change like what is the archetype that you are like trying to radicalize so there's the archetype you're talking about which i agree can change based on age mm -hmm. but once toby and reese get to pleasantville yeah what is this magical reawakening that can bring a community to life? Well, what I think is about is basically the idea of, uh, and I'm sorry that I'm going to be like just mentioning uh, Seth MacFarlane on this, but it's like <laughs> the opening of Family Guy. Do you like Family Guy? <laughs> I've seen it. I don't say that I like but it. But the opening is like basically, I mean, I don't remember like the whole lyrics, but it actually says like this is a show about like just the American values. Is that this is a show about like just embracing what makes America great, about like the family values that they are like getting lost. And it actually just plays with that idea, with that stereotype about like, yeah, there are other things, but we have like this suburban life that nothing is supposed to go wrong. Okay, but, but tell me, in the late 90s, it made sense that bringing sexuality and art to a suburban community could cause some sort of conflict and disruption. So, so if we were to make uh, Pleasantville in 2020, what would bring color to these communities if it wasn't sexual awakening and art, which is an issue that happened 20 years ago when the culture wars were still super relevant and something we were talking about? Irrelevant at the point. I mean, yeah, so in the late 90s in America, it was like the culture wars were about gays and lesbians and art and what was acceptable. So that's a very timely thing. But if you wanted to make this a relevant film in 2020, what would be the thing that brought color to these black and white people? But the thing is, like, uh, I mean, true, I come from a different country. So for me, it's like culture was something that it just exploded in the late 70s, early 80s, is that everyone embraced it. So for me, when I was seeing it, like it's, it's, it's not about like the contrast from the 80s. It's like I assume that at that point, everyone embraced already like that kind of culture. And they don't talk about like gay and lesbians when they go back into Pleasantville. There is the only, the only mention is that weird Aguar Guan, you know, with the mayor. 
Otherwise, there is nothing. That mare was so gay. The, I, yeah, he it was. To fuck Toby he, he was basically like the uh, like the father from uh, from uh, American Beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like that's you know like that kind of haircuts. Is like that's yeah. But what I mean is like I think that the kind of message that they bring is. Or maybe I just misread it, but it's like I just felt like it's not about like the 90s per se, you know, and it's a bit more about like the 50s per se, and it's a bit more like for them, for Reese and, uh, and Toby, it's a bit more like the opportunity about like just exploring themselves in a safer space, that you don't have like, the same kind of social pressure about like just behaving in a specific way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just think the film only worked because it was released in the late nineties. I don't think it could work today. And again, I liked the film. I found a lot of valuable messages in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> eh, eh. But More I, I just found a lot of problems with the script. And again, because we've discussed this many times, I think it was timely, not timeless. I. Honestly, I just had the feeling that if after I watch all the good cinema that I watched in the last 20 years, if I were go to back, sorry, if I were go back to watch Pleasantville when I watched it the first time, I would feel like, look, this has been entertainment, visually striking. Yes, visually striking. But don't write anything else, please. <laughs> please, is that you just did your thing, is that just, is, is fine, just move on, is that just uh, Gary Ross, don't write anything else. I, I would completely agree with you. And so let's get into our questions. Sure. <laughs> will you remember this in six months? Yes. I will too. Yeah. Would you recommend it to anybody? As I told you, it's like I had the feeling that like part of this movie is a bit more of a Hallmark movie, more like a cinema paradiso. It's like there is nothing like too risky about it. It's like probably I wouldn't recommend it to some person of color, some some people of color. It's like oh, thank you, thank you for being so sensitive. Well, I, I mean, it's like I just had the feeling that like every single time when they saw like the. Uh, we don't accept color. Is like, come on. That made me, at that point, the film lost me. But up yeah. until that, I felt like it had some sort of momentum, some sort of message. Yeah, but it's like at that point, it's like I, I told you, it's like I had like just my score, like just okay, you know, has been great. It's not a stellar, but you know, it's great. And when they did that, it's like, why did you go there? There is no value. It's like you don't use. You can just say something. You can just say, say use any other word, but don't use color. Yes, exactly. No. Is it true? In this world, they don't have black people because it's in the 50s on TV, you know, black and white. In the is suburbs. Like, they don't have black people or, you know, Latino, whatever it is that like you don't. But you don't use that word by, to, by even like the late 90s standards, you don't use that word. And I feel like if I would recommend this to uh, my, you know, like friends that I had that they are like, of course, and it's like, I. They will look at me and say, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck did you recommend to me? I'll say it again. I enjoyed the film. I thought it was okay. I would never recommend this to anybody. Ever. <laughs> I can't think of a single situation where it'd be like, oh, you need to watch Pleasantville. Unless oh. it was like some super racist like guy that had no idea about social issues. I'd be like, you need to watch this to understand why art and sexuality is important. So basically they tell you, it's like, hey, 
I voted for Trump. And you said, like, oh, yeah, you have oh, to watch Pleasantville. Oh, check out Pleasantville. <laughs> Joan Allen is going to convince you why Biden is the right choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to understand, like, you know, like, art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> art and love. Uh, do you think there is something artistically interesting on this movie? Yeah, I do. I think the way they played with black and white and color is very impressive. I don't know that it holds uh, the gravitas today that it did in 1998, but I think, and I hate the way The Wizard of Oz played with color, but I do think what they did is, is pretty interesting. The court scene where he made people turn into color, Tobey Maguire made that happen. I, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, to be completely fair, is that The Wizard of Oz is like basically black and white until it turns into Technicolor. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the same. It's like here is that there are like many characters that they are in black and white when everything else is in color. And I yeah. think that is like visually striking. It's like it reminds me a bit of uh, Who Framed Your sort of like Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah. I say like, it's true. It's slightly different, you know, what they're trying to do, but at the same time. It works. It's like for me, it's like visually, I still found it like, okay, what you did, no one has tried. Because there was no reason also to try this. It's like there is no other reason like for doing this story. And it's pretty clear that you only wrote this story for just doing this effect on the screen. It actually reminded me a lot of the White Ribbon and the way it played with black and white. Because mm-hmm. um, like when Joan Allen is masturbating in the bathtub and the tree outside her house bursts on fire, like visually, that's stunning. It's mm-hmm. it's really, really, really beautiful. Yep. Um, I don't... Again, I don't like the way people play with black and white and color. Lars von Trier, Europa, oh, yeah. I think was a success. Yeah. Um, what about a like, seamless list? That they actually I play with a bit of color. I only watched the first hour and I hated it so much I turned it off. <laughs> My god, you never finished <laughs> no, watching it. I never watched it. Um, but why I, Why did you watch... I have to ask you that now, but is that why did you watch the seamless list? Why did um, you hate it? No, no, no. I knew it was a classic. I went to watch it after an hour. I was so bored. I didn't want to watch anymore. And I never tried again. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just in shock right now. But based on direction, yes. There was some very interesting stuff about this film. Some some incredibly beautiful imagery that reminded me of Tarsim. Like, there's, there's some amazing visual aspects of this film. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, any other questions or should we score these? Let me think because I hadn't thought about how to score this. I already have my score written down. Okay, I'm ready. It was your pick. I will say a seven. A seven? Yes. A seven when it comes after a 6.5, okay. <laughs> so my score was going to be a 6.5. But after the skip started like the railing, I went with a 5.5. Wow. But I mean, the, the thing is like, I I don't think that it's a bad movie. I don't think. And I think that is that you're right about like, if you actually look in the, uh, in the priest of the 90s, you can just give it a bit more of leeway about like, okay, yeah, you were thinking that that was okay. You know, but it's like for me, when I look at about it now, when I think about the script, it's like, I was just my... When it started like the railing, I was just like, holy shit, what were you guys thinking? Is that this is not okay? You don't do that. See, I I see it as more through the lens of the late 90s and 
yeah, there are major problems, but five is, is a completely mediocre film. This film attempted much, much, much more. It didn't achieve that. But you actually said it is like, a, would you recommend this to anyone? Never. Don't you think that it's like if it was like, a, I mean, I'm not trying to make you change your score. <laughs> I'm not trying to actually just fight your score. But you actually said that it's like a seven film. We can go back and it's like, for example, you said that Life Aquatic, it was a seven, Marie Antoinette was a seven. I would agree with all of that. Yeah, but what I mean is that you recommend those movies. And you actually had a problem with recommending this movie. Is that I think that there is like there is some systemic problem in this movie. But remember that you don't have to do this, but I take into account what the film tried to do. Whether or not they try they achieved they that, achieved. that's fine. Yeah. I think this film tried to achieve a lot, and it did in the context of 1998. Well, no, that, that, that's completely fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, like just saying that it's, it's wrong or anything like that, you know, but it's like, I'm just, well, that's cool. <laughs> I'm just surprised. No, I, I, I don't think that I'm, I would change my score. I think that it tried to accomplish something impressive it didn't achieve that but i respect what it tried to do honestly when i watched it the first time that's the reason why i watched it what i wanted to watch it again is because the first time that i watched it as spain is completely white is like for me that work but it's a thing that now i'm too woke quote unquote <laughs> i'm sorry to use this term but it's like, i just feel like don't 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 do that so I want to be clear that I give it a... What did I give it? A seven? A seven. <laughs> but I don't condone a lot of the things about this I know. Film. I a know. Lot. And I appreciate that you are clear on that. Cool. So what are we watching this? Next, we are watching the John Cassavetes film, A Woman Under the Influence. All right. And for no other reason besides I was scrolling through, uh, I think it was Prime Video, and I saw the cover of a DVD that I was like, that has to be John Cassavetes. And it was, and I had never seen a woman <laughs> under the influence. Oh, you never watched it? No. So it's going to be like the first time for both of us. Okay. Yeah. And did you watch anything by uh, John Cassavetes? Many, many things. And right now I can't think of any of them. Like faces, shadows, husbands, open Shadows, night. husbands, not faces. <laughs> oh, sorry. The killing of Chinese boo. Okay. Of a Chinese bookie. That's weird. Alright, so uh, anything else to say about Pleasant Bill? That's it. Just maybe watch it. I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> fun. Don't bring it back to us. Yeah, <laughs> we're not recommending it fully. <laughs> okay. Alright, well, to uh, those seven people listening to us, thank you so much. And wash your hands. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>